HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit Michter's.com to find out how their taste-is-everything-cost-be-damned attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available. I'm Chris Guzmi. And I'm Mary Izette. From Fomentabody. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. Uh, we have a good one for you today. We're here with Mark Glassberg, who's the wine director of Statebird Provisions, one of the, uh, I want to say the hottest, but <laughs> everyone says that. You know, it's really one of the most popular, um, most respected places in uh, San Francisco. Uh, recent, uh, recent opening just a couple of years ago, but has already won the James Beard Award for Best New Restaurant, um, Bon Appetit, Best Restaurant in America, when they, eight months after they opened. Uh, and Mark has been in the... Uh, is a veteran in the industry, has worked at some really great places, um, both in San Francisco, um, such as, uh, as Quince, and, and worked at three Michelin star restaurant in, uh, in Germany, uh, many years in the industry. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. Uh, I, I know I, I summed it all up quickly, um, but you have quite a quite a career um before working at uh working at Statebird, uh working at some pretty Im- impressive um fine dining dining rooms serving some really high-end wine um and now now you're working at a, a more casual place albeit one of the most popular places in san francisco what was that transition like uh you know to me it's it's been uh it's been pretty seamless actually um it's it's always about uh creating a good guest experience, whether it's fine dining or casual. And uh, I just think that, uh, yeah, it's, it's been pretty seamless overall. That's great. So we usually like to start with uh, with a segment called The Best Thing I Drank Last Week. Um, so if you could think about in this past week uh, what you've been up to, if you've been out to, to eat or maybe you popped open something special uh, at home, um, what what is the best thing that you've had to drink in uh, in this past week? Hmm, that is a great question. I would have to say um, we just I just actually put on a new 
Riesling by the glass at Statebird, and uh, it, it blew me away. It was a, a, a Prince Trocken, um from the Rheingau in 2012 that was that blew my mind, actually. So clean, fresh, bone dry, um, vibrant in, in 2012 for me is is uh, is really what's going on right now for German Riesling. All right, you know, I, and I usually like to talk about a wine, but I, uh, you, I just went to the uh, the new bar at the Nomad and had some just truly spectacular cocktails, including a uh, a tiki cocktail there. Um, I know that you guys have a pretty uh, impressive, or at least a couple of tiki uh, bars out there. I think in in New York, uh, tiki drinks are slowly re-infiltrating and showing up at some great places like the Clover Club and and, and the Nomad Bar. But uh, the cocktails at the new bar at the Nomad uh, were by far the most impressive, most amazing things uh, that that I drank in this past week. Um, all right, so going going back to you, Mark. You know, we have something really. Uh, really kind of funny in common. Um, at Statebird, you work for uh, a chef owner who's married to the pastry chef owner. Um, <laughs> and at, at our restaurants, uh, Gabe and Catherine Thompson are the, the chef and pastry chef as well. Can you tell us how, how you met them and what that what your relationship is like with them? Let's see. I Yeah, I mean, I, I think I met Stuart and Cole and Nicole when they were uh, the chef team at Rubicon, um, and I, I, as soon as I basically had my first dinner with them, I, I, was, I was hooked. I mean, they're great, great people, and uh, they're extremely, extremely talented. I mean, they, they, before I even really get, got to know them, they were um, basically my, fre- my, my, I guess, my favorite chef team in, uh, in California. Um, but uh, yeah, we our friendship formed, and um, I don't want to say open state bread. I think I was eating there three days a week minimum the first six months they were open, and and uh, that's when when Stuart and Nicole had uh, had came up to me and asked me about uh, about uh, doing the wine list, and so I said, perfect, I can be here more than three or four days a week. Then fantastic. <laughs> You just just add a couple of days, and uh, you never have to leave. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so the, the style of service at Statebird is kind of dim sum esque. Um, you know, unfortunately, I haven't had the chance to dine there myself, but I've heard such incredible things from enough people that that I'm super excited to have you on the show, and, um, including our producer Jory and and our director of operations. Uh, Heather Morgan, as, as well as a ton of great people in the industry have told me about how great it is. But tell us about how you incorporate the, the dim sum style of service uh, with wine service. Well, the way, the way we, I kind of look at it is that it seems like it, you know, everything comes to you on carts and trays. Um, and you have, the guest has so many options. There's so, there's so many different flavors that you can, uh, you can try and, and engage with throughout the the whole your whole meal and so as a result i wanted to make sure that the same could be said for wine so what we try and do is i have about 80 85 percent of the list is offered by the glass and so um we want to just make sure we we, we mirror that diversity um on the, on the list as well you know it's a modest list anywhere from 40 to 50 selections so we want to make sure that we are able to offer as, as much as we can so people can you know, do a full glass, half glass, you know, bottle, what have you, and really try as many things as, as they'd like. 
Yeah, and I'm actually looking at your list right now. Um, you know, someone who's worked with so many wines and uh, has spent some time in Germany. How do you narrow down uh, such a wide selection of wines that gets available to you in, in San Francisco to a selection of 45? That's really challenging. <laughs> I've, that- come, I've come from yeah, I've come from lists that were you know that were you know fifty, sixty pages, and in retro at the time, I mean, they're very difficult lists as well to to run because they're so large. But in retrospect, I'm looking at it and going, gosh, I, the, the small list is actually tougher because there's only so much space you have, um, and so many placements you can give for for wine, and you want to be able to give that diversity without having it be so redundant. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I constantly tasting and have a, a, a large pipeline of wines that I try and keep fresh and um, it's just constantly changing the list to make sure that that I not only put wines on the list that match well with the with the cuisine but also the, the wines can be that our people are familiar with and um, that want people want to drink so but they're constantly changing so once I kind of work on one part of the list and, and get that all done all of a sudden I turn around and another part needs to be worked on so it's it's ever changing, and uh, you know the the list is broken up into uh, to start sparkling wine, uh, white wine, red, and German Riesling. German Riesling has its own section of the list. Is that is that because of your time spent in Germany, or is that because you feel like these wines are particularly uh, great uh, with with the flavors? I've always thought that that was one of the real interesting curiosities of uh, of the wine world: the way that German wine. Uh, goes so well with Asian food, even though there's you know so little in common with uh, with maybe the cultures, and they're so far away. Uh, but it's kind of a match made in heaven. Yeah, it's really it comes down to that. Actually, it, it I feel like German Riesling in particular. I mean, there's Riesling grown all over the world, but I feel like German Riesling in particular is is really one of the best uh, wines to match with food. It's, it covers so many different. Um, Flavor styles itself, you know, with bone dry to off dry to, to medium sweet, all the way to, to sweet, um, and I think the the acidity that that German Riesling has um, just works so well with with different flavors that you may not necessarily think would work, and um, for that reason, I kind of gave it its own its own category because one one German Riesling doesn't necessarily um, to me cut it as far as being able to really express what we're able to what we're able to do with it. And you have quite a selection of aperitifs as well. Uh, and these aperitifs kind of more known in European drinking culture. Um, and they've definitely infiltrated uh, the way that we, that we drink in, in America. Uh, why, why have you chosen to have such a, a, an extensive aperitif selection in such a limited menu? And I think it's badass that you're pouring uh, Poufinet Von Jean by the glass, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we wanted to be able, I, I think because we can only offer beer and wine to our guests, we wanted to make sure we're able to stretch that, uh, that, uh, that limitation as far as we can. And so, again, because we've got, uh, we're able to offer so many, our dishes come out in, you know, smaller form and we can offer so many, we wanted to, to be able to do that as much as we can with, with beverage. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think vermouth are definitely different styles of vermouth we wanted to be able to offer, and sherry, and especially um, <laughs> that the Van Jones. I was excited to be able to, to to offer that because it 
it's got a kind of a nuttiness and, and savory quality to it and kind of unctuousness that really is surprisingly incredible with, uh, with State Bird's cuisine. So, again, it's just we wanted to be able to offer another level of, of, uh, of beverage so, we, so people could kind of really run the gamut if they want it. So people can come in and try different styles. They can come in and have a glass of, you know, glass of Riesling or a glass of Sauvignon Blanc if they want. So just trying to get something out there for everyone and, and try and make it as cuisine-friendly as possible. That said, not everyone is going to go with every cuisine, so we're you know we want to make sure we have things that people want to just drink when they want to just want to have a glass of, of uh, red wine. Yeah, now I mean I love small lists that are curated by people who really really know what they're doing. I think of a couple here in New York like uh, Franny's and Vinegar Hill House, and um, you're like, wow, I wonder. Like you, you look at each wine on the list, and you can kind of see the the wine directors wheels turning and see where they're going with each of them. Um, and the ones that you don't know, you kind of want to know more about. Um, I'm curious as to why on, on a small edited list, you felt that you should have some wines like, uh, or at least the Prosecco in general, not, not that I have anything against Prosecco, but, uh, it's something that we don't, we don't, we choose not to serve at the, at the restaurants. <laughs> and, uh, you have a small edited list. It was this, was this kind of a, a, uh, a layup to to your guests who might want to just order something easy, or what? What was your thinking behind listening to Prosecco? Yeah, it was it was exactly that. We want to make sure it's um, it's someone. I mean, I think as you know, sparkling wine in general, uh, no matter where it's made in the world, is typically pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. And so, just just from a from a uh, a pricing perspective, trying to to make sure there's you know again something for everyone. Wanted to make sure we're able to offer that, and so. Prosecco, um, yeah, is is kind of filling that exact that exact placement. It, it's it's there for people that just want a glass of bubbles and and uh, it'll you know it'll go go well with with the cuisine. But it's not you know it's nothing that's gonna that's gonna blow your doors off. But honestly, I think it's I mean, for prosecco, it's a delicious prosecco. So yeah, I mean, there's going to be certain placements on there that are are there for to make sure that people um, they just want to come in and and not really study the list and want to just have a glass of bubbles and not spend. Fifteen, eighteen dollars on a glass of sparkling wine. That's what it's there for. Yeah, I mean it's it's the most requested wine that we don't that we don't <laughs> we don't have. Yeah. And I've been finding, you know, I I used to not even taste it, and, and lately I've been I've been having our distributors taste us on proseccos, and there are more and more interesting, well made mm-hmm. proseccos coming out. Uh, and I, I think that you know there, there might be a day where where I rethink <laughs> our, our thoughts on because yeah. there, there's really really good stuff. Uh, with, with Prosecco, yeah, it's tough. I mean, you want to. I, I always, I have that battle of okay, this list is not for me every night. I'm, I'm not coming into Steepert every night and, and drinking everything on the list. I want right. to make sure that although the wines are you know are, are delicious and 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 well made, I want to make sure it definitely is uh, something for everyone. What What's on your list that is really for the for the geeks? What is What is something that is a, a true like find that you're super super excited about? Well, I think the Van Jones definitely is uh, is is up there for that. Um, well, let's see. I, I think we've got. Um, I think we just put on uh, the Trousseau Gris. I was just looking at that. The Zeitgeist Trousseau Gris. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. You're pouring exactly. by the glass too. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So I think that's kind of fun. Um, I I just put on a, a Gamay. I think Gamay. Goes really well with our cuisine as well, and mm. uh, we just put on a gamay from Robert Cyril from the Cote Rouennaise in the Loire Valley that I think is just beautiful. 
that's one of those really good wines that uh, I kind of think of Gamay like Barbera in that you can mm-hmm. it's they're they're both really good food pairing wines, but they work really well for for people who are super into wine or people who just want something nice to drink. Uh, they they they're they're good for industry people or or, or beginners. Uh, do you agree exactly. with that? Yeah. Um, all right. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take just a, a quick break, um, and we'll be back with more uh, of Mark from Statebird Provisions. Nictor's Whiskey is a proud sponsor of HeritageRadioNetwork.org. If you drink the whiskey that warmed General Washington's troops at Valley Forge, does that make you a patriot? Not necessarily, but it indicates that you appreciate that Michter's sets the standard for highest quality, limited production whiskeys. America's first whiskey distilling company, Michter's rich history dates back to 1753, when a farmer in Schaeferstown, Pennsylvania, distilled his first batch of whiskey from Hardy Rye. At one point, a master distiller left his family's well-known distillery to join Michter's so he could be at a smaller, less cost-conscious company where he could make the finest whiskey, cost be damned. Ask your bartender or retailer for Michter's Whiskey today. Chatham Imports is the national sales agent for Michter's Distillery. For more information, please visit www.michters.com. That's www.m-i-c-h-t-e-r-s.com. And we're back with Mark Glassberg, the wine director of State Bird Provisions in San Francisco here on In the Drink. Mark, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> and um, Mark, I did want to uh, ask you about uh, about some of your favorite dishes on the menu um, and what are some just really awesome pairings that, that you like to have. What's, what's something that you know, it's like your go-to pairing for the, the menu and uh, one of your favorite wines? Oh gosh, that's tough because the dishes change so much as do the wines. But there are definitely a few things that uh, that uh, have a hard time leaving the the menu and the list. Um, what I think is really fun about about what Stuart and Nicole have put together is they've got a, a pancake and and toast section on the on the menu, and uh, one of their classics is their sweet corn and garlic chives Mount Tam short stack. So it's this beautiful savory sweet corn pancake. Um, or they've melted uh, Mount Tam cheese between each layer. And uh, a glass of our peak Chablis with that will uh, put you out for a good 15, 20 minutes, just let you relax and enjoy that. Or seconds, <laughs> rather. <laughs> maybe minutes, I don't know, but maybe the seconds will. Nice. That sounds amazing. That sounds absolutely amazing. Um, and is it, so the wine list you're constantly rotating as well? Yes, yeah, because it's a, it's so modest in, in size, we have mm. to, um, I want to make sure it stays as fresh as possible. So, um, yeah, I'm constantly kind of changing it around and finding things that that could be fun. I actually recently found, <laughs> if you can believe this, uh, Sanford and Benedict created a California Cabernet back from ni- in 1979. No and way. It was pre- I know, and it was presented <laughs> to me, it's been sitting uh basically just been been sitting in a cellar for you know 25 years what have you and um yeah i just put that on the list and had a couple of bottles and and guests have gotten got, give me great feedback on it and it's still amazing and fresh and um and actually a great pairing with a lot of our heartier dishes because it's not uh, it's not over the top with fruit it's really border borderlays in style and um 
yeah, really, really fun. So, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of uh, California Cabernet from the '70s in general, but hard hard to find them. Uh, where, Very hard. Where do you where did you uh, where did you come across this? Uh, just one of the one of the uh, the, the uh, brokers that I work with mm-hmm. um, had, had a couple of, of portfolios portfolios he was showing me, and then the last thing he pulled out of his bag, he said, "Yeah, I know this is going to look kind of weird, but he put the, he says I have this California Cabernet from Sanford and Benedict." I was like, "Cabernet from Sanford and Benedict? That doesn't that sounds bizarre." Okay, um, and uh, he opened it, and yeah, it basically was. It, the, the fills were perfect and wow. uh, forks were great. It was almost like it hadn't moved, and they just you know slap labels on it and, and, and sent it out um, of this guy's cellar. It's, it's been sitting us for there for a couple of decades now. But um, yeah, it's it's incredible and not overpowering, and you know a perfect perfect uh, time to drink it. And price point was right, which is obviously very tough to find anything that's twenty five or thirty years old um, where the price point works. So exciting to have that on. Yeah, great, great values, great wines. If if you can find them, and if they they were stored well, I think probably in the seventies people weren't thinking of storing these wines the way that that uh, people at the time were maybe thinking of storing you know great top first growth Bordeaux or Grand Cru mm-hmm. Burgundy. Um, so to find them, it's such a such a gem, such a joy. That's pretty. Yeah, cool. exactly. That's really cool. I mean, that that might be. I'm not drinking Riesling when I come in. I might, I might try to try to pull that. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, and this, you know, we've mentioned a few times the size, the size of the wine list. Was that a an intentional decision to keep it small, or was that more based on the physical plant, the physical space that was kind of uh, doesn't doesn't allow for a larger list? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I, I think. Uh, I mean, originally the restaurant book. Previous to last October, the restaurant um, really could only seat uh, up to a party of four mm-hmm. and had, I think, about 35 seats, at, uh, maybe 40 seats. Um, and then we, we did a little bit of, of renovation, and, and it's been able to expand. So now we can seat up the parties of 6 to 16. And so we've, we've expanded the list at that point, which was 30 or so, to around 40 to 50. So it is it's a measure of, of uh, just size of the restaurant and then just the number of guests that we could actually accommodate, as well as um, the space itself, because, you know, there's so much going on. With and The kitchen is totally open, and so there's carts and there's trays and there's, there's uh, service and guests, servers and guests, and um, we just simply didn't have the space to not only store the wine, but be able to really uh, appropriately service it. And so um, wanted to, to keep it modest in size. And I think it's worked out well. There's, there's no uh, floor sommelier. I don't work the floors, so um, I do you know a lot of staff training for both uh, front-of-house and back-of-house staff to make sure everyone is well-versed on all, on all of our selections. Okay. And uh, so you recently also... Uh, assembled a wine list for uh, another restaurant called King Cow. Uh, Thai restaurant right. opened up last year. Um, tell us about what that was like. And is that something that you're going to be focusing uh, more on as well, consulting with, with other restaurants? Yeah, I do. I love consulting with restaurants. Um, I think, yeah, that was a list I put together uh, just kind of as their opening list. And, you know, they're, again, another small restaurant, a new restaurant, so they've been able to kind of just take the reins from there, but uh, yeah, the, the original list just started and um, and kind of wanted to just, to just get them going, and uh, they've been going gangbusters out of the since they started. I want to say you know five six months ago now, but yeah, I I, I really do enjoy the the diversity of 
being able to to work with different restaurant lists and different concepts and, and uh, yeah, I enjoy that quite a bit. And I mean, do you prefer Asian flavors in general? Um, no, it just happened to 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 be like that. Actually, I, uh, I had a, my friend is the uh, is the executive chef there, and so um, when they were kind of putting together the concept, and and uh, he, he said, "Hey, you know, would you would you mind being a part of it and mm-hmm. doing the opening list?" And so I said, "Yeah, of course, happy to do it." So yeah, it's not a preference. I do love I love those I love the that flavor profile for sure. There's so many different ways to go with with Asian cuisine, but uh, yeah, it's not it's not anything I. I specifically seek out I'll, I'll work with anything <laughs> and i've got to ask you about this man, because you, you seem really zen with your with your asian uh you know asian cuisine your great wine list uh obviously you speak really eloquently about wine uh on your twitter feed it is clear you're a big ufc fan <laughs> <laughs> that's embarrassing uh yes <laughs> yes yes i am how, how do these yeah. things uh work together <laughs> They don't at all, and I, I think that when people uh, people that have known me for years, they find this out, and it's like, wait a minute, what? Because <laughs> uh, they definitely don't do not go together. But um, yeah, I've, I've been a fan for uh, for for a bunch of years now, and um, there's it's uh, it doesn't go it doesn't go well at all. But <laughs> hey, it's okay. I like to I like yeah. to retweet and, and support those guys as much as I can as well. Is there, is there a preferred beverage while you're watching one guy smash another guy's head into a cage? <laughs> uh, they're all so talented. Um, so yeah, I would say I, I don't. I would say I don't know. Riesling always kind of keeps everything everything calm. It's low alcohol, so it keeps the crowd um, from being too rowdy. <laughs> all right, we're gonna do some more, uh, a few more uh, quick fire beverage uh, pairings, if that's all right with you. Yeah, I'll tell you a few of my favorite things around the San Francisco area and uh, see if you could come up with something you might like to drink with them. Okay. First thing, the way I would start my morning if I if I lived over there is with uh, an almond croissant at Tartine Bakery or, for that matter, anything uh, at Tartine Bakery. <laughs> That's a great, yeah, anything at Tartine Bakery indeed. Um, I think blue ball of coffee. Does that, does that, what do you want an alcoholic? Uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's all right if if eight a.m. there's no alcohol involved. So uh, I think a blue ball coffee is a perfect uh, a perfect start to that. And then uh, let's start. Let's progress on our day with oysters at Hog Island. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough to get away from a classic sh- uh, pairing of champagne with oysters for me. Nice. And do you have a prefer uh, a preferred yeah. champagne? Any anyone in the world? You choose. Oh, I, oh, gosh, that is tough. I love Jacques Salos. Yeah, I, I love the substance from Jacques Salos. Hard to hard to not love that one. And then yeah. uh, uh, the roast chicken at, of course, at Zuni Cafe. Ravenel, Chablis. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have gone there. That's a nice one. Yeah. Yeah, a yeah. little bit of a, of a more rich style Chablis uh, yeah. to go with that. It, it sounds you said that with such assurance that as if you had done that more than once. <laughs> I have, yeah, I have, yeah. I just, I just love it. I think it's an incredible pairing. And then, uh, and then, how about in uh, how about a good bratwurst in Germany? Uh, beer. Uh, I love a good um, uh, Helles, just kind of a, a, a slightly rich white beer with a bratwurst. It's a classic uh, Bavarian breakfast: is uh, a Weisswurst and uh, and a white beer in the morning. The first time I saw them 
saw uh, people eating that that early, I, I was my eyes popped out of my head. But yeah, I think that that's a an amazing breakfast is a white vice first and uh, and white beer. Yeah, right. Is, you think like how do you know, in in Europe in general you see people eating like a a, a beer. A sausage and a pretzel for breakfast. Having a couple yeah. glasses of wine at, at lunch. Like how? How are you productive? Like how do you? How do you have a, a full work day? Like, yeah, I, I know. I, I feel like there's a lot of napping that goes on in there. There's gotta be. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Mark. Well, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. I really, really appreciate. Uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been a pleasure as well. I, I, uh, I appreciate you having me, Joe. Thanks so much. Uh, when you guys are out in San Francisco, I know next time I'm out there, I'm definitely going by State Bird Provisions. I can't tell you how many people have uh, raved to me about it and uh, enough that I, I really want to have Mark on the show. So uh, re- it's been really exciting. Thank you so much. Congratulations on, on all, the, all the, the awards the restaurant's been getting and on putting together a really awesome wine list, a really, really well-edited one. Everything on there clearly has a, uh, a purpose. There's, there's some of my favorite wines and wines that I don't know yet, but uh, now I really want to find out more about them. So, uh, <laughs> Thank it, you. It's uh, so, such a pleasure. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.